When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Tuesday at Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Connor Clark is in. Ready to go? Okay, this is this is Schmidt turning the page to Michigan State. Okay? We are turning the page. It is Big Ten time. Roll your sleeves up and uh, get rolling uh, as uh, it is Nebraska Sparty. I love facing off against Michigan State. And what I love about it is for some reason, I'm going to blame his mother, Uh, We have raised a Michigan State fan in our house. And uh, Junior always gets excited for Michigan State, mainly basketball and Izzo. But when he was a kid, uh, Michigan State under D'Antoni, D'Antonio, basketball, sorry, D'Antonio got uh, things rolling with Sparty. So he kind of remembers that that 2013 that came in here, 2013 Sparty team with Connor Cook. And, and, and they won, kind of a shootout ball game. And I think that was uh, a really uh, veteran, solid, Rose Bowl winning, blood, sweat, tears, bare fist fight, Rose Bowl win over a, a good Stanford team. I think that might have been Shaw's first year there uh, after Harbaugh departed. And then you get to 2014, and Nebraska's ranked, but they're kind of getting disrespected in the uh, the, the playoff rankings that came out. Nebraska's getting rolled, even though the defense came out of the gates really well and forced some turnovers. And then all of a sudden, DeMorne Pearsonell goes off. And I think you remember it as a Nebraska fan. Well, he had Zoe in the end zone. The ball just went right through his... It was a contested catch, but it was a, it was a sideline route that was beautifully thrown, and then Nebraska could have stole one. And, and they didn't. Uh, but but and, and poor Amir had really... He got caged in, so it was more the passing attack. Jordan Westerkamp, DeMorne Pearsonell. Nebraska uh, put up damn near three touchdowns in the fourth quarter against uh, a really good uh, Michigan State team. Uh, and, then, and then in 2015, uh, you have probably the, the last great win for Nebraska football where you stun a college football playoff team. You outlast them. You get a two-minute drive by Tommy and company, and it's the uh, the Brandon Riley catch uh, that Sparty fan still freaks out about. Going to be a little bit different this Saturday. Mel Tucker, Scott Frost, they have history, at least uh, one game, right, with uh, the, the game in Boulder that was pretty infamous with Nebraska having a large, large lead, but but Tucker found a way to, to get his team going. And what's remarkable about Mel Tucker, uh, they have 20 transfers. He got in really late in the game with the hire, and they're already ranked. 
and it's not like he inherited a Antonio Rose Bowl team. He kind of had a, a bare cupboard. He's come in. He's flipped it. He's a guy that's been at Bama. He's a Big Ten guy because he played for Barry Alvarez, and he wanted to eventually get back to the Big Ten. So this is this is a good staff. This is a really talented and bought in roster, and they're they're really good. But are they special? Is the question about Michigan State? You can join us today four six six three seven seven six eight hundred eight two five. Five eight six five. I don't know that Michigan State's the best team in Michigan because of what I think with what Harbaugh's doing. That'll be a, a classic in itself. But Sparty's got a chance to move the two and zero after dismantling Northwestern. You know they're well coached. You know they're pretty well put together on the lines of scrimmage. They've got Kenneth Walker the uh, third going doing his best micro year at eight point six yards per carry. And uh, when it comes to quarterback play. Uh, you have Thorne in there that is 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 pretty salty. So uh, Nebraska will have their work cut out for them. We'll hear from Coach Chenander uh, in, t- in about 20 minutes. Mitch Sherman will join us from The Athletic, get his take on Nebraska. Mitch's uh, story on Omar Manning, and he, and he did some, some background with, with Omar's high school coach. Really awesome story from Mitch. Jacob Padilla with the Ducks in football and Husker volleyball at 440. Uh, Rick Pizzo, Big Ten Buffet with us. Get get uh, Rick's take on Sparty on Nebraska. And then Coach Kaczynski, Rick Kaczynski, an extended sit-down with him. Okay, Oklahoma's behind us. Michigan State's in front of us. You, the Nebraska fan, has uh, back-to-back uh, night games in front of you, a chance to pace yourself. It's going to be gorgeous weather, so the smokers better be going for the patio parties. Don't forget Real Red Reaction, probably from my patio at <laughs> uh, about 9.30 uh, or so. Yeah, let's and, hope that's a patio party. Well, I'm thinking about it. I'm actually thinking about it. I'm, I'm fearful of inviting. We have a group of friends we invite over. It's just that Schmidt's house always has the two crazy dogs. Mm. Just legit. I've got the fat one that, that loves to give kisses, and I got the German Shepherd that will not leave you alone because she wants you to play ball with her all the time, and it's hard to watch a game if she's taking your beer and will trade that beer for your for the ball she she left you. So um, I'm interested here. Things that that Coach Janander touched on today that are uh, you know relevant, uh, specifically Michigan State's running game. Uh, quarterback pressure. What'd you think? What'd you think of Nebraska's tackling? Did you think Nebraska tackled well against Oklahoma? And I said yes. I said within the context, yeah. Because of, I mean, I didn't really see too many missed tackles or bad tackles against Illinois. Mm-hmm. Everyone's Division One. They're on scholarship. You got to be good to play ball in the Big Ten or at a Power Five or at a G5. I, I get it. But with Oklahoma, <laughs> their guys are just faster. And I think Oklahoma's line, and I'm not calling OU a warm-up act, but I'm saying the, the line that, o- that Nebraska just faced is really, really good. It's not a Big Ten line, but, man, it's big, fast, and physical. You saw OU getting out in Poland. That's a, just a giant dose of what you're going to see here in the next eight ball games, right? So uh, I think Nebraska can use what they they faced against Oklahoma, and it will ready them for the maybe, maybe not the same caliber of line, probably not the same caliber of O-line recruit until you see Michigan or Ohio State. 
but Nebraska can get better, and they'll have to. I mean, I think Walker will get his 100, but is he going to get 200? Is he going to go Le'Veon for 175? Is it going to be play action with Thorne to, uh, to, to read and some of the tight ends? Michigan State isn't super goofy with what they want to do on offense or defense. They're going to drop seven and kick your ass with their front four rush. They're going to get after you, uh, and then when they want to want to toy with you, they'll blitz somebody. Nebraska's had communication issues with just about everybody they faced uh, on an opposing defensive line when it comes to twists. You got a week to clean it up. You know, from a physical standpoint, you can hang. You know, from a preparation standpoint, what the coaches were getting you ready for, you saw against Oklahoma, vastly different from Illinois almost a month ago. So now it's kind of up to you to settle in and and not make mistakes, and we're back to, like, square one here. They, they Nebraska can absolutely win on Saturday night. I think Nebraska needs to win on Saturday night. I'm not going to quite go as far and say – season's over if they don't win there are still opportunities but i think you waste that feel good or at least that confidence you've built up from the way you played against oklahoma and a chance to finally get a payoff well i mean you've had people saying today i've seen your yesterday and today people saying this is the most important game of the scott frost tenure i wouldn't go that far because once you start overusing that it, it becomes worthless i don't think this is the most important game of the scott frost they need era. to win however they i need to, they i need can to see how you win, make dude. that argument though they need to win. You, it, it feels like you have yeah. a chance to turn the corner on saturday it feels like if you can come out with a win that maybe that means that nebraska has turned that corner um, most important game of the Scott Frost era. I don't know. I still think uh, Illinois, when you look at the scheme of that, was probably more important in terms of the grand scheme of the year. And you can still recover from that. And you can still recover from a, a Michigan State loss on Saturday. However, Dif- difficult. I, this this game's a lot more important than Oklahoma was last week. The question is, is Nebraska going to come out with that same intensity that they had against Oklahoma against Michigan State? Because this game is just as important. I'd argue more important. I, I say this too, based on at least reports from yesterday with with the players we've talked to. Um, they had a good they had a good practice, right? Your first practice back after a loss, after a tough one, and this team's used to tough losses. Can we say that? They don't have to like them, but they're. I don't think they're numb to them either. But they've had a lot of one score losses. The buildup of "I'm sick of it" is it's overflowing. It's it's Uncle Andy's septic tank in the RV. It's full. <laughs> It's time to empty it, okay? Let's hear from Coach Chinander here. Uh, we'll start off with uh, Coach Chins on the uh, the Michigan State run back, running back, and that's Kenneth Walker III. Uh, I did say I did not stutter 8.6 per carry. Obviously, he's a, you know, he's a put-together really well, uh, explosive kid. He's going to challenge your leverage. You know, and, and some of these guys, uh, you know, they want to, get to the edge and get the ball up the field. He wants to challenge your leverage and make a cut and, and really go. Uh, hasn't been a lot of single tackles on this guy, so a lot of hats need to get to the football. Um, but obviously he's leading the NCAA in rushing. I think he's got like nine yards of carry, so uh, he's a really good football player. So you get a, a back like this that is so good. And listen, Michigan State's O-line's pretty talented. They're pretty Upper class seasoned, upperclassmen seasoned, but what what Sparty has behind that O line, he's a dude 
that is very decisive, has great vision, and is so good at just making that one cut. Think of that damn Iowa stretch play where they run off the outside shoulder of one of the tight ends or the tackles, and then the defense flows. Then they just cut it back. There's your seam. You're, you, you, he gone. Right, and and that's what Nebraska's trying to flip and find on their own offensive side. We'll get from we'll get some words from Coach Held here uh, in in just a second. But Nebraska's defense, I think, will 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 have gap integrity. It's just a matter to me is is the defensive line going to have a better game? And and I think Daniels and Ty Robinson are really good players, and I think Stilly's a good ball player too. Do they have a better game than they had? OU's really good on their offensive line, too. And they they won. I mean, they won some some matchups against Nebraska's front three, front four, more so of a front four. Nebraska's going to have to have a better outcome Saturday. And one of the things you got to say about a guy who's getting eight-plus yards per carry, he's, he's been this season reeling off 40, 50-yard runs. That's how you, that's how you play. That's how you get that 8.5, 8.7, whatever it is, yards per carry. Uh, so I think who's going to really have to have a big game, and he's been playing well all year, is Deontay Williams. How good has he been at coming up and stopping a run at 15 yards as opposed to letting it go for 30, 35, letting go for an end zone? Back seven's been good. Yeah, he's going to he's gonna have to step up, make sure that, that those runs that are getting past the second level uh, aren't getting into the end zone. I think that's that's going to be huge, and we also heard uh, uh, Coach Chenander say, well, uh, you don't see a lot of single guys taking down Kenneth Walker. Uh, and I think it's the same story that it was against Oklahoma. I think Nebraska had good gang tackling against Oklahoma. You saw some some missed first tackles whenever guys were coming in, uh, and Oklahoma was great at making the first man miss. It's a question of can you force him back into the teeth of the defense, and then can, it, can the defense make a gang tackle on this guy and bring him down before it gets out of hand? That is so key. And the linebackers between, I mean, this is a game that, that Reimer and Henrich are going to love if they get help up front. Or if, God forbid, you win some one-on-one matchups on the defensive line where you can you can hit him at the line or stop him at two, right? I thought DeAndre Thomas had some good early moments against Oklahoma mm-hmm. with penetration. This is also where you're coming off of Oklahoma where Nebraska's D-line depth will be big because, you're, I mean, you're, you're stacking – kind of wow opponents, and it ain't going to get any easier. Uh, the, the the wins Sparty has had have been impressive. I mean, I know Northwestern's not great, and I know they're kind of in transition, but they're still a real pain in the backside to beat. And to to put up damn near 40 out of the gate, that's, that's big. Uh, for them to go down to Miami and then not just capitalize. I know that was always – that was a touchdown to a field goal ball game most of the game. Well, what Sparty do? Well, they were composed, and then they they let Miami unravel, and then they capitalized, and they they were always in control. This thing's going to be huge. You got to get the football. <laughs> I know that's like obvious, but you're going to need to get the football if you're Nebraska, and you're going to need to to really get after the quarterback. Nebraska had some hurries, had some pressures, but it wasn't enough against Oklahoma. Uh, they're going to have to be better in that aspect. We'll get caught up with Mitch Sherman. Uh, one more quick thought from uh, Coach Chenander, uh, specifically on tackling. Do we have time? Let's hear uh, Chin's, his take on the tackling. He's the ultimate teacher here in, with, the, with the red marker to grade it. Um, the first three I thought we tackled really well. The last game, a little disappointed um, in the tackling. I think we need to get that cleaned up. 
now obviously they got some really good players they had in space so you're going to have a, a, a few extra misses but a little too many for me uh, and I think I think we're a much better tackling team than we showed last week well they'll have a shot to to be better and I know this is your last live day uh, with contact you're allowed and then it's all uh, getting things down that's I know it's out of safety, but man, if you could go live more, <laughs> that would that would help you out against a team like Michigan State coming off an Oklahoma game. Uh, off and running on a Tuesday. Big show for you. Rick Kaczynski, Rick Pizzo, Mitch Sherman. Next from The Athletic, it's Hale Varsity. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And we're back. Fellas, I think we could... Listen to the radio. Listen. On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Yeah. Yeah. She's proud that I'm just out here, you know, building myself and being productive. You know, the football stuff is just a plus. I add on to that. But yeah, she, she was extremely happy, you know. I can, I can tell that's Omar Manning uh, yesterday, his uh, group media session, uh, talking about his mother and, and how excited and happy she was for him to thrive against OU. Just tremendous story on Omar Manning from Mitch Sherman uh, in The Athletic today. Mitch joins us at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch, thanks for a few minutes. We'll get into uh, Oklahoma and Sparty here in just a moment, but really well done, sir, on on uh, your Omar story and uh, some of his backstory. Pretty uh, pretty interesting read, and I think folks should should check that out. Uh, anything that, that kind of wowed you as you did some research and, 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 and put it into the writing? Yeah, thanks, Chris. Well, I knew some of Omar's story and wanted to be able to tell Omar's story, but obviously it had to come from him. And, and yesterday was the first time since he came to Nebraska where he's, he's uh, stood or sat for an extended interview. We talked briefly after the game on Saturday in Norman, but that wasn't the time to get into a lot of that. So, um, you know, kudos to Omar for being open and wanting to uh, share what he did, uh, both about his his own struggles with depression and anxiety that predate his time at Nebraska, but were only really recognized by him as an issue that he could address since he got to Lincoln. And also for, for sharing about his mom, um, who was born deaf and has tragically lost her eyesight in the last few years. She had an injury as a high school athlete and lost sight in one eye. And then in recent years, um, lost the sight in her other eye. In fact, her, her sister, Omar's aunt, um, who was the mother of Daniel Manning, uh, who signed with Nebraska back in 2001, ended up at Abilene Christian for three years as an All-American and then played nine years in the NFL. Um, that is Omar's aunt. Uh, she brought Tracy, Omar's mom, to the spring game a few months ago, knowing that it would be the last time likely that Tracy would actually be able to see her son play football. Um, so they had that. And she went blind this summer, uh, legally blind. Mm. So 
just a, a, an unbelievably difficult story. And I think it, it, it lends some perspective when you think about Omar's journey and you know some of the questions about him over the past year and why he didn't progress more quickly at Nebraska as a six foot four, two hundred and twenty five pound guy who seemed to have all the potential in the world. It's obviously taken him a long time to get on the field, longer than he would want, longer than Scott Frost would want. Um, you know, look at what's happened in his life, not just in the last couple of years, but in the last twenty two years. And, and I, I think it's understandable uh, that that uh, you know his progress has been a little bit different than others, and and it's. It's impressive that he's even here, that he's here and he's thriving um, and he's got a bright future in football. Mitch Sherman's with us from The Athletic. Hail Varsity Radio at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. It says a lot about Omar's perseverance, Mitch. It also says a lot about the Nebraska staff and, and support staff, doesn't it? Right, that they, that they were able to get him the help that, that he needed. Um, he talked about Brett Haskell, Dr. Brett Haskell. She is... Nebraska's director of sports psychology, and this is not the first time we've heard her name. I, I, I uh, talked to Diedrich Mills, uh, mm-hmm. who had some similar issues about her, uh, and, and these guys bring her up. It's not a, it's not a situation where you know she's brought up by, by me or, or others in the media. They, they point her out as the person who helped them get through the, these types of situations. Omar has been at TCU. Um, he's been in junior college. He's been at other places where he, he could have received help. And Nebraska's the first place that found it for him. So, absolutely. Um, it's great that Nebraska um, not only has the resources for student-athletes to be able to provide this kind of support, but actually uses it and, and seeks out uh, these people to, to, uh, to match them with the student-athletes who need it. So, it's not just a thing for Omar Manning or for Diedrich Mills when he got to Nebraska. There are others in, in, in sports that you know, we don't cover on a daily basis uh, who are getting the same kind of support that these guys got. So, yeah, huge credit to Nebraska for, for uh, you know, making that happen. Well, get, uh, get a hold of Mitch's story on Omar. Uh, Mitch, you do awesome work, brother, but really awesome. Uh, again, with uh, your, your story on Omar. Let's talk Norman for a second before East Lansing. And what, what do you think Nebraska can take from Norman to East Lansing from a positive standpoint that, that may you know, get them over the hump once and for all, or at least this week against a ranked team? Well, they can see that they're able to go toe-to-toe with a good opponent. They can see that uh, not every setback that happens on the field needs to be something that torpedoes a drive or sends a game uh, veering in the wrong direction. There were a lot of things that could have gone against Nebraska that did go against Nebraska that could have sunk uh, Nebraska in that game, and yet they were, they were there in the fourth quarter with the chance to send it to overtime or even to win it in regulation. Um, so, you know, that's something that, that hasn't always happened in the past. It didn't happen three weeks earlier at Illinois when, when things went awry uh, Nebraska folded the tents pretty quickly in the in the second and third quarters of that game, and and there were opportunities for that to happen in Norman, and they fought through it. You know, they they, they either uh, overcame penalties and scored on drives where, where they, they they could have just been done, um, or, or they they battled through situations um, that were inexcusable. I, I would say on special teams, 
or unfortunate on the defensive side and giving up some 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 key third down conversions and still found a way to to get off the field or to um, to answer in a positive way. So all of that bodes well for Nebraska going to Michigan State and and in in facing what it it has to face in the Big Ten over these next eight games. But obviously there's a you know there's a dark cloud there too in, in that some of these mistakes are, are going to continue to loom large. And they're going to be even more magnified when you get into games against the kind of teams that Nebraska is going to play over the next uh, nine weeks. Mitch, I think the the talent you can see has improved. The mental fortitude you can see has improved. However, it's another one-score loss for Nebraska. That's got to be a concern, right, that despite all the progress we're seeing, it's it's still one-score losses that they're falling in. Yeah, the record is not good in close games. And I think that can be traced back to a couple of things. Number one is the special teams because that's how you win close games. That's how you win games uh, against these teams that, one, prioritize special teams. A lot of teams in the Big Ten do that. A lot of teams in the Big Ten have a coordinator for special teams who doesn't do anything else. Uh, and and in, in, these, in these contests where the margin for error is so thin and you generally know going into a season that you're going to play three or four games against teams in your division, teams in your league, they come down to one score or come down to a handful of plays. Um, you better be good on special teams. Uh, that's not where Nebraska's at, and it has continued to bite them. It it hurt them in both of the losses this season, and hasn't been good even in the games that Nebraska has won uh, for the most part in in recent years. And then there's just kind of that whole mental side of it where they haven't gotten over the hump and believing that they're going to win, I, I, I believe. I, I think this team has kind of perfected the art of losing close games. And, and you know, and, I, and most people who've watched them uh, consistently would, would agree with that. It's, it, it generally seems to always be a new way to invent it um, or just a different version of the same way. And, you know, that can happen. That can, that can work the opposite way, too, where you, you, you just, if you get into close games, you have confidence and belief, and you generally win those games. You find a way, whatever it takes, to win those games. Nebraska's doing the opposite. So you put those things together with special teams and, and the, the, the losing or winning mentality, and it's going to lead to a lot of close one-score losses. Mitch, you just laid out what, what the difference is accurately on, on a, a Big Ten Saturday night, how do you, how you escape. And I think back to 14, what got Nebraska – back in it was Demorne Pearsonell was was special teams if mm-hmm. you were to if you were to pick a unit be it be it kickoff return or offensive line play or against the run what do you think is most important all of it is but what's what's kind of that that linchpin for for Nebraska to to to, to flip it is it going to be run defense is it going to be Running game or, or protecting Adrian. I mean, what's 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 the element to you on Saturday night? Oh, if I had to prioritize, and looking at the matchup, it could possibly be uh, the run defense because mm-hmm. Michigan State has been so good at running the ball this year. It's not necessarily the same kind of power that we've seen from Michigan State in in the past. I think you look, you know you look and see, okay, Michigan State's good this year. They're on an upswing. It must be with tough, strong, physical defense, don't allow anything at the line of scrimmage, and then they're just bowling you over offensively and doing it in an ugly way. And that's not really what these Spartans are. You know, this isn't Mark D'Antonio's 
Michigan State team. Michigan, uh, Mel Tucker has brought a little bit of a different identity to this group, um, but they're good running the ball nonetheless, no matter how, how they're doing it. And Nebraska's going to have to find a way to close those gaps on the defensive line and, and, and bottle up the Spartans. I would put the offensive line for Nebraska as a close second. And if you're talking about what it's going to take over the entirety of the rest of the season for Nebraska to break through, then I, it's probably the offensive line. They have to protect the quarterback. They have to be able to open things up for the running backs to have space to run and then minimize or re- entirely reduce, uh, entirely cut the penalties that, that we saw um, again on, on Saturday in Norman. Mitch, uh, real quick here, about 30 seconds or so, but what else is coming up from you uh, in the athletic? Oh, I'll have some stuff that I'm uh, combining with uh, Colton Pouncey, our Michigan State writer for the athletic, to, to break down this matchup uh, here late in the week and then just uh, looking to get, in, get on the road to, uh, to Michigan and, and see that game on Saturday night. Well, uh, it should be a pretty tight ball game. should be a fun atmosphere. Magic Johnson's calling for a full house, so we'll see if, <laughs> if, if that happens or not. Mitch, appreciate the time. Great stuff today, bud. Okay, thanks, Chris. Take care. All right, there he is, Mitch Sherman with us on Hale Bar City Radio. Mitch with The Athletic. Really good feature on on Omar Manning. Uh, really cool backstory. And maybe some of you saw the, the, the tweet from Omar signing to his mother uh, back from the spring game. It was really touching. And uh, more on, uh, on Omar Manning. Jacob Adela going to join us, get his thoughts on uh, some Husker volleyball and more Big Red football. Rick Pizzo next hour at Hale Bar City Radio. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and uh, Connor Clark with us. We welcome in Jacob Padilla with us from HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. Jacob, thanks for uh, jumping in with us. And uh, Norman said what to you? What did you take away from Nebraska OU? Um, well, um... Tough to know what to take away um, until we see them sustain that kind of effort, but it was definitely um, a positive sign to see the way they were able to hang in that game. I thought the defense would be able to hold up. I just didn't know that the the offense would, the offensive line in particular, would be able to keep the offense on the field mm-hmm. long enough to give the defense a break. And I thought that uh, the defense might wear down, but. Um, that didn't happen. Even though the offensive line didn't play great, they found ways to be effective on offense, um, and that's what they're going to have to keep doing until the line, uh, it, until and if the line uh, makes uh, some progress, starts uh, settling in there a little bit. You know, it's going to be a situation where y- you find either the right guys or the guys end up emerging and, and kind of gelling and, and, and eliminate mistakes because when you give Adrian time he he looked really good uh and he's played really good ball and you've got some some skill weapons now I know it, you, you spent time today with your story on Hale Varsity uh touching on the competition at running back coach held in front of the the podium today and you know Irvin was each game we saw Gabe he looked more and more comfortable He'd show some flashes, and you want a, a, a recovery for him uh, with that patellar tendon injury. Now, Ramir Johnson, uh, there was a sighting, and he ran really well. Uh, what back do you think could could work best against this Spartan defense? I mean, what, what type of ball game 
and what style of back do you think Nebraska goes with? Oh, obviously depends on on who practices well uh, the next couple of days. Yeah, um, I I don't know at this point if You'd like uh, to ask me ask yeah, me Sunday what I thought. Right? Yeah, just just give me a um, a dart and I'll throw it. <laughs> um, it. It seems they like what Ramir Johnson has given them right now um, with this combination of um, pass protection uh, and ability to catch a ball out of the backfield and just overall experience. And they like the speed factor that he brings. Um, he, he did some good things. Obviously, uh, they still got to find a way to be more productive than they were with him out there. But, um, that again, it uh, a lot of it comes down to the offensive line. And uh, there's... There's definitely some yards that the running backs, I think, have left on the field so far this year. But um, overall, I think that the low uh, average uh, for the entire running back room is, has a lot more to do with the guys blocking for them than to those guys in particular. I just, we, we, don't, we don't see a, uh, a mere Abdullah-level superstar in the backfield that can make two, three guys miss and, and still get a gain out of it. Um, right now, I think, especially with kind of the youth and inexperience overall for the for the group, they've got to get better blocking, and then I think you'll see a better, um, more production out of whoever it ends up being. Uh, it sounds like uh, Marquis Step didn't play on Saturday, but um, I don't know that that's going to be um, a regular thing, especially now with uh, Irvin out of the mix. Um, Hell just said it kind of that's just kind of the way the game played out. He wasn't necessarily going into the game thinking, all right. Uh, Marquise uh, is going to sit this one. Um, he, he just ended up never going back to him, just based on how the game was going, what they were looking for, and the way that uh, Ramir was playing. So I think uh, Step will will get his opportunities. Ramir will get his opportunities. Savion Morrison will, will get some touches here and there, and then um, they'll see whoever, which of those guys can really stack uh, successful practices on top of successful game day performances. And that'll ultimately, I think, decide who emerges as kind of the lead guy in that backfield. Yeah, Jacob, the the most consistent Nebraska running back hasn't even been a running back. It's been Adrian Martinez, the quarterback. And Oklahoma really did a good job limiting his run threat with uh, with a quarterback spy for most of the game. Do you think that's something that Nebraska's now got to expect moving forward? I mean, uh, people always call the NFL a copycat league, but college football is too. you got to expect that defenses are going to see how well that worked against uh, the Nebraska offense, what Oklahoma did. Yeah, and even, well... And even uh, some of the games previously, we've heard that defenses were focused uh, almost entirely on uh, Adrian Martinez and trying to keep him from beating them. And even with that focus, some some of the time Martinez is able to kind of shake loose and, and make plays at his feet. That is, for whatever reason, that is one part of the game that they are capable of doing pretty well. And Oklahoma did a good job of, uh, limited those opportunities, but that led to some uh, some opportunities down the field for Martinez, and he's been passing the ball very well recently. He uh, was a little high on Austin Allen in, in the end zone. Um, that could have been a big throw, but it was a tough one to make as well. But outside of that, he had a, a pretty darn good day, um, hitting his receivers down the field, hit a couple of bombs there, just laying over the top with perfect passes. So um, it, the way Martinez is playing right now, you, you can focus one way or the other, um, and he's, I think, been able to have some some success um, uh, against whatever the defense is showing him. So I think teams will continue to try to prevent him from beating them with their legs, but um, if they're able to do that successfully, I think that will create some opportunities elsewhere. And 
uh, it, it'll be up for the rest of the offense to kind of take advantage of whatever um, kind of comes as a part of that too. Like if they're focusing so much attention on Martinez and somebody has to be able to make a play outside of that and take advantage of a one-on-one matchup uh, or something like that. So um, it's, it's going to start with Martinez every single week. I think different teams will attack him um, differently based on their personnel, uh, but that's where it's definitely going to start. Jacob Padilla is with us. Hail varsity.com and magazine at Jacob Padilla underscore on Twitter. Sparty's pass rush fierce, but their coverage, at least statistically, can be had. So if the O-line can, can give Adrian some time and he's got the, the same toys to play with, um, could work out for Nebraska offensively. Jacob, you can go to volleyball here. Got a couple of minutes. Uh, so Nebraska is now into Big Ten play. How do you view this last three-game slide, kind of a necessary evil, or are, are, you, know, are, are you concerned about it? With, with what you've seen from Nebraska volleyball? Yeah, I'm definitely concerned. Um, I, it doesn't, doesn't mean that the season's doomed or anything, but the fact that they, it, it was three in a row and they haven't been able to really kind of fix what um, is plaguing them, because you look at it, they, they've gotten worse the last three performances instead of better. So um, that's kind of the, um, the part that's a little concerning. They're just having such a tough time terminating right now. Um, their hitting percentages are really low no matter who you put out there. They've got five different pins. They've tried all five of them, and none of them have really had success um, consistently anyway. But uh, Cook's kind of settled uh, on his lineup that he's going to roll with, and it's going to be up to them to kind of figure things out to, to get that chemistry back with Nicklin Hames, who also needs to um, kind of dial in a little bit better and um, up her level of play as well. Um, so that's going to be the key here is, um, just getting everybody on the same, same page and finding a way to be more effective offensively. I think Cook's happy with their defense. They didn't play great. Um, they, they, they had one of they had just an absolutely incredible defensive game against Creighton, and since then it's been slipping a little bit, but we know they're capable of that, and Cook is um, happy with where they're at defensively heading into the conference play for the most part. It's just the offense they have to fix, and Luckily for them, uh, they opened conference play against the two bottom defensive teams in the Big Ten right now after non-conference play. Jacob Adilla with us. Jacob, we'll be following along and getting your updates on volleyball and, of course, hoops uh, always in in basketball. Thanks for the time today, bud. Yep. Talk to you guys later. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, reminder to get the podcast, ways to get a hold of us. And we do thank you so much for listening. Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Hail Varsity Radio. Good, bad, or ugly, give us a rating. Tell us what you think. And uh, uh, can also find uh, the interviews you want to, uh, to hear and do so real easy. ESPN Lincoln On Demand. Two-minute drill, the SoundCloud, some of the best parts of our interviews. We'll have something from Mitch Sherman, something, no doubt, from Jacob Padilla, Rick Pizzo, and, of course, Rick Kaczynski up on ESPN Lincoln on uh, on uh, Twitter. So be sure to, to follow that. Numbers to get in, 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. Got a ton of email to sift through. If I haven't read yours or you haven't heard your name, that's not me being a an a-hole, I promise you. We will get to emails uh, shortly. 
Uh, we will talk with Rick Pizzo. Big Ten Buffet is uh, coming up. Excited to get his perspective. He's seen Sparty. Uh, he'll have a take or two on Nebraska for sure as uh, we get ready. Uh, can email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Follow us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio. Or uh, be sure to find Elijah on Twitter at Herbal Essence. And then don't forget, also, it is a Tuesday with Kaz, which means Rick Kaczynski joins us, get his take on Oklahoma, and uh, for sure get his uh, thoughts heading into Michigan State. Uh, old Ross Ells, part of that Michigan State staff. So uh, Kaz, no doubt, keeps an eye on some of his former buddies that uh, are, hey, are, are part of programs still. Reminder about buckling up. There's over 1,500 crashes each year in Nebraska involving an impaired driver, driving drunk, buzzed, or high. Never acceptable law enforcement officers working every day to stop it before any more people are killed or injured. If you're going to drive, don't drink. If you do drink, designate a sober driver and get a ride share. Find a ride. A DUI costs more than you think. Brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. So Junior is uh, on the road. Uh, Southwest freshmen are up at Norfolk Mm. on Thursday, the same time I'm kicking off with Southeast and East. I'm excited, man. I'm excited to see Butenbach and excited to see Walters and excited to see uh, Coach Gingery and Coach Catula. I mean, I really enjoy covering all the high school teams, but been on the road a lot. So my first, first time back out. Uh, for for football, and uh, can't wait for it on Thursday night. We'll be at Seacrest uh, doing the show ahead of 7 p.m. kick. You've seen Southeast this year. Yeah, Southeast, good team. Uh, where they lack a little bit is in their and depth. You can say this because you're a, you're a knight. Coach Catula can tell you to run that, that damn hill. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but Southeast, uh, really, really great starting talent. Could, uh, could use a little bit more depth. They have a lot of guys going both ways. As for East, I know they got a huge win on Friday night. I was listening to that uh, on my way down to Norman. Uh, my brother is a uh, teacher over at Lincoln East, uh, so he made sure to, to tune in and listen to what some of his students are doing. Uh, this is probably the, the top two teams in the city this year, in Lincoln East and Lincoln Southeast. Uh, these two teams are the teams I'm expecting are going to be uh, making a run at the uh, at state uh, in what? I guess we're probably a month and a half away from mm-hmm. state already. Uh, so... Uh, I think this is going to be a great matchup on Thursday. Game of the week here in Lincoln for sure. And Schmidt, you're on the call. Yep, we'll have it. Uh, Jeff Smith is going to trade uh, the basketball for football. I'm excited because Jeff Smith's coached some football before mm-hmm. back mm-hmm. in the day. Yeah. So uh, Coach Smith going to be uh, doing that. I have corralled him <laughs> somehow. Rick Pizzo, Big Ten Network on the way. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hail Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Into hour two, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark, running the uh, show today. We say hi to Big Ten Buffet Man. You see him on BTN. Rick Pizzo with us on Hale Varsity. Rick, uh, it is 74. There's a few clouds in the sky. It is just gorgeous. Brother, we should be on the, the ninth green somewhere. That is ideal. 
I do every now and then have to put some hours in the office, and today is one of those days. So we'll have to take a rain check. But you know that I'm up for every time you can make it happen, dude. No, exactly. It, it is fall and it's football, so it's as amazing as the weather is to go swing the clubs. This beats working. I mean, <laughs> being able to talk some football and, man, I tell you. Uh, oh, see, I, I accused him of not working, and he just says, I'm going to hang up on your dumb backside. We will reconnect with Rick Pizzo, Big Ten Buffet. I'm sad that the, the buffet got off. We, we just broke a plate, which is no good. Can I, but, just, can I just say – no, this is not by any means diminishing the segment because the Big Ten buffet is awesome, but just in general, buffets are overrated. See, on one hand, I love the aspect of oh, you can just eat. You've not you've done, there's, you, there's you, a lot of options. You've but. not had the appropriate Sunday brunch buffet, have you? No, that's that must be a no then. No, I mean, see, my, my problem with buffets is like you go spend like fourteen bucks because there's all the options up there, and you can go get as much as you want, and then it's never as good as whenever I go to a restaurant and just get like one dish. What you got to do is drill down on the buffet, and say they offer fourteen things with the buffet. Rick, we're getting into if buffets are overrated or not uh, somehow, and. <laughs> Uh, you, it's okay to have 15 items to choose from, but if they do three of the items, say the roast beef or the eggs Benedict, well, it's worth paying the buffet price to keep going back and getting more. Am I wrong here? Well, it depends on where you are, right? I mean, if you're at one of those swanky New York hotels and they say, oh, everything's included on the buffet, and then you get your room bill a couple of days later and you realize you paid $109 for the buffet, <laughs> then I'm not so sure it's worth it. But in a lot of other situations, yes. Big buffet guy, as long as it's done well. No, exactly. Uh, what did you think of Nebraska, Oklahoma? What were what were some of your, uh, your knee jerks and, and maybe two days later, oh, okay, wasn't as good or wasn't as bad. What did you think of the, uh, well, a, a game that we, we've missed for a long time here? Yeah, I think that's the first comment that you have to make, right, is how good it is to see this rivalry back. Obviously, the players, I know most of them were not exactly of remembering age the last time that this rivalry was really heated, but it seemed like they were there pregame, so there was a little bit of that. I, I think defensively, obviously, you take a huge plus from this game. To be able to do what no team has done against Oklahoma in years and keep that offense quiet I think was huge. I think you come out of it wondering a little bit when you get into the Big Ten, the full meat of the schedule, and you're playing some pretty good defenses because I think Oklahoma's is okay but not great. Can you be consistently good enough offensively? And the special teams issues just have to get fixed. I mean, you're going to be in tight ball games where field goals and extra points make all the difference and I think that's probably as big an issue as any issue that Nebraska has to deal with right now if they expect to win some games in their division and in this conference No, the fix has got to happen and the repeated mistakes can't continue. I think the way Adrian's been playing ball Rick, he looked way different Saturday and the past three Saturdays compared to when we saw him in Champaign he settled down despite 50% 50% of the time he goes back to throw, there's someone in his face. Yeah, listen, I, I also want to say that listening to this young man, and we cover his press conferences usually on Monday, he speaks right before Scott, so a lot of time he gets some airtime when we're doing our press conference shows. 
I mean, I know that there have been some fans who have wondered if he was worth it or if he was the right recruit or did he do all the things he wanted to do. This young man has handled himself as well as any young man I can remember handling themselves in that position, as much pressure as he's been under. He has had his ups and downs on the field, and he'll be the first one to tell you that. But he is the best option they have. He has always been the best option that they have. And I think he continues to handle himself well and plays well enough to get this team where it needs to be. Yeah, there are guys out there, the Tom Brady's of the world and the Peyton Manning's that can win handfuls of games on the strength of their arm and their arm and brain alone. Adrian needs a little bit of help, and that's okay. Most of us do. And on many occasions, he just hasn't gotten enough help. This is not all on this young man. It never should be. You mentioned help. Did uh, some of Nebraska's skill guys pop for you? And then, of course, they're different with two tight ends. Moving forward, if everyone stays healthy, assuming the line gets fixed, I mean, could this offense explode? Could it be a problem in this uh, Big Ten race? Yeah, you can do a lot, I think, with tight ends, too. And I think the tight ends in Nebraska's case, you know, if this urban injury is significant and if they can't really find a guy to help Adrian running the football out of the backfield, your tight ends can almost provide you what's like a glorified run game through the air. And I think we've seen teams use that with success over the years, especially inside the Big Ten. Listen, a four-yard gain, whether it's a running back carry or a four-yard gain to a tight end over the middle, is a four-yard gain. And if that's where you're getting on first down and you're facing second and five and second and six instead of second and 12, it makes Scott Frost's job as a play caller a whole lot easier. So I think it's a great point you bring up, Chris, because I'm just not so sure that I see the run game being able to give this team what it needs consistently on a Saturday-to-Saturday basis. So if you can get that short passing game going and consistently going, then it not only gives you better situational football, but it gives you the opportunity to take the top off when those linebackers and safeties start fighting on short passes over the middle. Rick Pizzo's with us, Big Ten Network, Hale Varsity Radio. Rick, let's look at Saturday night game. Uh, of course, Sparty ranked big win at the U. They really looked impressive against Northwestern. Walker the third man, is, is big time, and Sparty's pretty uh, senior-laden, and, and Mel's flipped this roster, but they've bought in, man. And uh, interested in your thoughts here on this matchup, what it kind of comes down to, and you know what's the, the the overall big picture look for for this Sparty team? Are they a threat in the East? I'm not so sure. I'm ready to see that they're a threat to take down the Penn States and the Ohio States quite yet, but they are so markedly improved over what they were a year ago. And we're going to give Mel Tucker a pass, I think, on year one. When your year one is your COVID year and you have no idea what the roster is that you're inheriting when you get there, I'm not so sure that any expectations were realistic last year. Now they have the nation's leading rusher through a couple of weeks in terms of yardage per game, but they opened it up for Peyton Thorne last week, the quarterback, four touchdown passes. I mean, he's a guy who can throw the ball when they need to, but they're going to live and die with Walker. And Nebraska's going to look at this game, and Eric Shenander and that defensive staff are going to know you got to stop them up the middle. you got to stop Walker from turning the corner. I mean, he is right now what is making this offense run, just crush Northwestern. And even though Thorne was the guy that gobbled up some of those touchdowns against Miami, it's because everybody's peeking in that backfield, man, looking to see what Walker's going to do. So Nebraska's got his work cut out because Michigan State offensive line has been better. 
than I've expected, but I still think you have to make Peyton Thorne beat you. If Kenneth Walker beats you and they're able to run for 200 yards, shame on Nebraska. If Peyton Thorne goes out and starts throwing lasers and finds a bunch of wide receivers who guys have never really heard of before, that's a different story. But you can't let a team beat you with its best. What did Mel Tucker inherit? Where was the Spartan program uh, when he came in late in kind of, uh, you know, a spring season, frankly, even before this COVID thing happened. Uh, what what was the cupboard like, in your opinion? Well, I don't think the cupboard was completely empty. The trouble was, when Mark D'Antonio left, it was kind of strange timing. He was going to stay, and then he decided to leave, and you come in in the spring, and it's COVID, and so Mel lost a bunch of guys in the transfer portal. I know everybody did, but he didn't even have an idea what his roster was when he showed up, right? I mean, he could be looking at a sheet of paper the day that he took the job, and the day you land in East Lansing for your first team meeting, 10% of those guys are gone. So he inherited a roster that wasn't bereft of talent, but it was completely void of consistency or guys who were going to be around or guys who had had a lot of game experience. So to be able to do what he's done and pick up some really nice wins, and I know Northwestern is right now showing not to be very good, but to be able to go down to Miami and outscore that team 21-3 to in the fourth quarter, it shows me that he's not just made this roster better, but he's changed kind of the belief maybe of what this Michigan State team thinks it can do. Rick, you mentioned you're not quite sure if uh, if Michigan State's ready to challenge the Ohio States and Penn States uh, of the East, but I, I want to ask you, is Ohio State still the favorite in the East this year after they're showing against, uh, let's say, Oregon, after they're showing this past weekend? They don't seem to be the Ohio State that we've been used to the past three or four years. Are they still the favorite in the East? Yeah, guys, I'm not sure what's going on there, but we uh, we definitely lost uh, we lost whoever's asking that question for sure. Okay, is Ohio State the favorite in the East? Is what was Elijah's question? Are they still, based on what you've seen the last three weeks, the, the team to take down? Yeah, you know that's funny that you asked that, Elijah, because we asked Dave Wanstead that very same question on the Big Show today, and his answer was no. Last week he said, yes, Ohio State was still the favorite. This week he said, no, it's Penn State because of what they showed him against Auburn. I'm not so sure that you can definitively say that Ohio State is a favorite until they're able to solve those defensive issues. I mean, even against a team like Tulsa, it is a game into the fourth quarter, right? Now, you won't know much this week. They're 50-point favorites against Akron, but uh, you know, and then they have Rutgers the following week, but Ohio State's got some work to do. I, you know, I think what was interesting is that Ryan Day made it clear that he needs to be focused on the offense and C.J. Stroud as the play caller as well, and all this other stuff takes time away. But then he felt inclined to listen to the defensive play calls this week through his headset. So he's not all the way with the offense. He is doing more than he would like to do uh, in the other two phases of the game. So until Ohio State gets that figured out, I'm not so sure I'm ready to anoint Penn State as the favorite. But I, I think it's fair to say that Ohio State is no longer as clear a favorite as, they, as they've been the last couple of years at this point in the season. Rick Pizzo's with us, Big Ten Buffet. Rick, we'll get you out of here on this uh, big-time matchup. And uh, Barry's smiling. Wisconsin, Notre Dame. What do you think of this showdown? Yeah, you know, uh, which Wisconsin team shows up? Uh, the team that looked much like Wisconsin in week two against overmatched competition in Eastern Michigan or the 
team that really struggled offensively in week one in that loss to Penn State. Notre Dame escaped a couple of weeks in a row, Florida State and Toledo, but I thought they looked much better in the second half against Purdue. They had the ability to break you open with some big plays. I think Wisconsin needs to try to play this one to the vest. I don't think they want to get this game up in the 30s. Uh, And listen, at the end of the day, Graham Mertz has to show us that he can be the guy who he was in his breakout performance against Illinois ever since then. He's been a very average quarterback, a guy who's been way too mistake-prone for this offense to be able to take advantage. So it'll be very interesting. Jack Cohn, former Badger quarterback, coming back, plays this defense, knows his defense well, and now plays for Notre Dame. I think this game will be tight. Uh, I think Notre Dame's a small favorite for a reason, but it's a game that Wisconsin desperately needs because, remember, I believe the Badgers have Michigan next weekend. So you don't want to get off to that kind of start in the Big Ten after already losing uh, the opener to Penn State. Where are you at? Are you in studio or are you on the road? I'm headed to Columbus. My first look in person at Ohio State. That's the good news, the bad news. I'm not so sure this one's going to be much of a game against Akron, a uh, team that lost to Auburn by 50 in week one. Just just a half a hundred. Okay. <laughs> just a half a hundred. Well, Rick, be good. Safe travels. Thanks for making time today, bud. Thanks, Schmitty. Always my pleasure, buddy. Talk to you soon. All right, buddy. There he is. Rick Pizzo with us. Big Ten Network, Big Ten Buffet. That sounded like a, uh, a, a personal story of, oh, it's included. Uh, I've never been to a really cool New York hotel. I've never been to New York. That's, that's <laughs> Pizzo's stomping grounds. So, yeah, I, I can imagine Eggs Benedict in New York would run me a hundred and a quarter. See, I've, I've heard good things about the buffets in Vegas. That's something I need to go check out. I've never out. been to Vegas either. Yeah, I need, I need right. to, we need to, I need to get worldly. It's been Norman. It's been Champagne. It'll be Minnesota, which will be awesome. Yeah, That'll I, be a good time. I got to decide if I'd rather go hit Vegas during like Super Bowl time or during like March Madness time. Both. I mean, if you got. Just, uh, just make it a month. <laughs> just, just make it a month. Just stay. Just stay and, and I don't know. I've had friends stay at the Hard Rock and say it's incredible, and I've had friends go to other places that love it. And no, we get it figured out. I mean, I, I think, and I'm not I'm not a Raider fan, but I'd love to go watch an NFL game in Vegas. The only thing I don't like about that Vegas stadium is that that silly flame. I know it's like like I just wish it was a real flame. That's my big problem with it. It's like a fake electronic flame, up the the eternal flame. That's It's not even a flame, though, is the thing. It's not like Kennedy's tribute. Yeah, no, give, give me something like that. I mean, you know what was cool was that flame, like OU's entrance. Yeah. Oh, that was, I mean, it was like the smoke, and then you had the flame above it. I mean, that was a cool entrance that the Sooners had. Their video, their Jumbotron was really well done, too. Their Jumbotron was really good, but it still didn't stack up to a Nebraska tunnel walk, in my opinion. Even this year's tunnel walk? Or, or let's go... Let's go digging for minerals in the cave. Yeah, yeah. Most um, tunnel walks are sweet. See, what I really want to see is, is it I- just is this a symbol of trying to you know either we're buried alive or we're trying to escape? See, nobody listened to me when I was at Husker Vision, but I was trying to sell this that idea. Shocks me. Your mustache screams credibility. I was trying to sell this idea of going and redoing the old one where it's like the flyover everything in the state. And I said instead of doing it animation, let's go get like actual drone footage flying over the state, like cut an end into a cornfield, go fly underneath the, the underpass and carny. I thought that would have been beautiful, but nobody listened to me. Let's just go old school with the uh, the, the carny. The arch and yeah, yeah. and then the uh, the sower. Let's have the sower actually do this. Rick Kaczynski's on the way. It's Hale Varsity. <laughs> and now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. 
Back into it at Tail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time for a Tuesday with Kaz. Rick Kaczynski with us, Nebraska and Iowa defensive line coach. Kaz, uh, a busy weekend of football. So you made it back from Norman, all right. We did. Um, you're going to hang up on me. I, I did not get to see Coach Switzer, nor did I get to get a bottle of wine from Coach Switzer. He was on the field Saturday. I was not. A lot of Husker fans uh, drinking beer in Norman. It was a good time. Look like a good time, you know. It's their blue blood program. The game still means a lot to a lot of people. So it was, it was good that the game came down to one possession. I think folks who grew up watching this game and that rivalry deserved a game like that. I want to get your thoughts on on Nebraska Oklahoma. What's the message as a coach to the kids moving forward after an opportunity like that? I, I hope they went into the game thinking they could win. I still still talk to a lot of people back in Lincoln and a couple of them probably aren't real happy with me from some of my thoughts. I was pleased with the performance. I thought the kids really fought hard, but I don't care whether you're playing Oklahoma or Northwestern or Bethune-Cookman. If you give up five sacks and you have every offensive lineman with a penalty, you're not going to win many, many football games. You like the effort, but what I didn't like is is some of the rhetoric, you know, after the game about, hey, we would have beat them nine out of ten times, or I think I heard that, or, you know, hey, we're close, and I heard a coach, I think there was a column where it said there was a coach that was upbeat after the game. I mean, there's been several, several wins where staffs that I've been on weren't upbeat after wins because we left some things out on the table that we knew were going to hurt us down the line. You know, I thought the kids came down and I think the kids really believed that they they could have they could have won the game, but but ultimately what you saw and I know we're trying to get to the building blocks of this is it's the same mistake. So you put that film on and you have an opponent uh, that's won 48 games in the last 4 years. And you did. You beat yourselves. And that's that should be motivating. That should be disappointing. And you can go on there on both sides of the ball, all three segments of the game, and said, point to particular times in the game. If we would have did this, we would have had a much better chance of being successful walking out of there with a W. You know, defensively, you got to get the ball back. You got to get the ball back. You got to, especially with a hot hand like Adrian, the way he was playing and competing on Saturday. Whatever you got to do, you got to get the ball back. When it's 16, to, to seven after that blocked extra point, the four-point touchdown. I mean, obviously, it's demoralizing. I've been there. I've been on the sideline. It takes the wind out of your sails. That's when your veterans, that's when your captains got to say, all right, guys, this is going to be a three and out. Nebraska kicks off. Their number five guy on the outside of the kickoff kick team, he goes inside shoulder on the returner. Oklahoma has the ball first and 10 at the 35. You got to put the fire out. Somebody's got to step up and say, okay, enough's enough. Here's the fire. We're the fire department. We're coming to put the fire. We're coming. So, so I think the, the I think the defense they they played good. They did some good things. But also, when you start talking about certain segments of a team playing well enough to win, all right, that that is divisive. That that splits a locker room, and that might not be coming from inside the building, but that's coming from the media and the media seeps inside the locker room and that, that, that tears a football team apart. So, you know, you're battling a lot right now. So, you know, what you got to build on is, Hey, you know, we're fast enough. We're athletic enough. We're physical enough. 
to play with the number three team in the country. And I don't want to hear, oh, Oklahoma's down or they didn't play good or they're not, you know, you know what they are? They're the number three ranked team in the country. You know, you are what your record says you are and you are what the polls say you are. So, you know, that's everything else is just talk. And that's all Bill Parcells. That's what he used to, you know, you are what you are and everything else is everything else means nothing. So, you know, Nebraska is who they are right now with an opportunity to improve and do some good things because they've shown, you know, they can hang with the number three team in the country. Not only hang, but if you eliminate those dumb mistakes, those unforced errors, you could have came out of that game with the W. So, uh, but it's going to be like that. The next, this That's what's great about the Big Ten. That's what's great about college football. I mean, you, you – you look at the next. What do we got? Eight weeks left. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you're, you're, there ain't. There's not going to be many blowouts in the Big Ten. Uh, the way the schedule sits this year, the way the teams are performing, as strong as the defenses are, and as well coached as defenses are in the Big Ten, they're going to come down to one possession games. And the team that doesn't turn the ball over, the team that doesn't produce unforced errors, you know, they're going to be the ones coming on top in the seven-point games and the three-point games. And, you know, and obviously you just can't – you can't give people, especially good teams, you got to make them earn it. You know, two-point conversion on a field goal, that's not earning it. You know, eight penalties, five sacks, that's not that's not earning it. I mean, that stuff's going to happen. You're playing talented guys. They're on scholarship. You know, you got a first-rounder up front um, for Oklahoma – but, you know, that stuff's going to happen. You're going to have a physical error, but you got to eliminate the things that you can control. And if you do that, Nebraska's got a, they got a great opportunity to, to have a good season. Rick Kaczynski's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Kaz, why, tell me why or how, again, through your coach's eyes, how there, there keeps being miscues on, on special teams. Kids aren't wanting to, to screw up, but they are. And maybe at the O line, or just there's something uh, that affects the outcome because of of a similar mistake, the same mistake twice. You know, it's you know, you know, football is a, it's it's a difficult game. Um, it seems it, it's really it's it's a simple game that's made difficult by somebody hitting repeatedly hitting you in your mouth every single snap, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, you should see me kickbox against the bag. I'm I'm unbelievable. I'm unbelievable. But you know, you can go back to seventh grade and Joe Russo. You know, he got me good. You know, I'm, I wasn't quite a good fighter against Joe Russo back in Erie, PA, in uh, in the schoolyard as I as I am against the bag in my uh, in my garage these days. So. You know, when somebody is coming at you and you have to think and there's a count and there's crowd noise and all that, you know, that comes with experience, but also, you know, it's 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 contagious, right? And I think what, what Nebraska's missing up front right now, you got to have that guy. And I, and I think Cam can be that guy that can get there. Uh, but when you look at great teams, right, and you look at take the great Nebraska teams, Look at their center, right? Look at look at a guy like Riola, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> if you jumped off sides, I gotta imagine Riola. There probably there might have been a fight on the field if you jumped off sides more than once. He might have kicked you out of the game, 
right? And like I remember being in the being in the huddle at Notre Dame and us going at each other on a missed block or a big play or coming off on the sideline. It's that accountability. It can't just be from the coach. It just can't be from Austin. It just can't be from Frost. There has to be peer pressure to avoid those mistakes, man. And and I just don't know if you if you got that right now, right? I mean, you know, you, you, let, you, God, you know, you need a junkyard dog. You need you need more than one, man. And and you know, I, I look at some of the guys that I coached, man. They they're dudes that I was afraid of. I mean, there were, there were some mean dudes, man. And and that's the mentality that you got to get to. I mean, just think about the great offensive linemen. And they were all part of great offensive lines at Nebraska, right? You had great, great, great individual players on the offensive line at Nebraska. You didn't have a great player that played on an average line, Schmitty. You had a great player on great lines, right? And it was because of that account that accountability, and and I think that's what you're lacking right now. So I think that's why you see those repetitive mistakes. You know, Cam has the most experience. Cam got to start grabbing guys by the face mask. I'm telling you, I've seen it, man. I, I had guys kick me out of practice. I, I was, you know, I was fumbling. I fumbled two snaps. It wasn't Coach Holtz that kicked me out of uh, practice. You know what? It was Dusty Ziegler, left guard from Effingham, Georgia. Get your ass on out. Get out. Get out. I mean, okay, what am I – you know, you want to talk about some peer pressure. You want to talk about being uncomfortable. I'm trying to get in the good graces of Dusty Ziegler, not Coach Holtz or Joe Moore. And I think that's a little bit of what Nebraska's lacking right now. And if you can get that, that that's that's when you that's when you turn the corner. And you know, the special team I was watching Notre Dame Toledo. It was amazing. You know, part of special teams, a lot of special teams is want to, but don't let anybody fool you. It's want to with really good athletes and really good players. When I watch Notre Dame special teams, Kyle Hamilton's on three of Notre Dame special teams. That kid's a first rounder. I mean, he he's a top five pick. He is a lottery pick. They're in complete control of the Purdue game. And he's down there. He's down to punt inside the uh, inside the one on Saturday. You know, this guy, he's he's on three different special teams. You know, so that has a lot to do with it, the, the dudes that you got on. I, I could go back to my Iowa days. Chad Greenway was on kickoff kick. Abdul Hodge, you had our starting backers. Pat Anger, our starting Mike linebacker for, for two and a half years. You know, he was our personal protector. When you are tight ends, our starting tight ends were on punt, kickoff, return, kickoff. Christian Ballard, right? He was on our hands team. We had a defensive lineman on our hands team. You got to have your best players on those units, absolutely. And I'm, I don't know who's on Nebraska's. I don't, I don't, I don't know who's on Nebraska special teams mm-hmm. right now. All right. Yeah, so I, I'm, I, and it's not disparaging to the kids that are on there, but the best teams have their best players on the special teams, period, end of story. Go look at Alabama's special teams. They got their best players on them, and that's why they're great in special teams. That's why they don't make the repetitive mistakes that other teams do. So that that is a big part of it, and that that was a cultural thing. I hate using that word. Mm -hmm. At Iowa, 
And at Notre Dame, the, the programs that I spent the most time with, Schmitty, I, if you wanted to get on the field, right, you were playing special teams. That's how a lot of young guys, you know, there wasn't many true freshmen playing. Usually our best players showed something on special teams, and then that's how they earned more reps on the field, mm. right? Before Adrian Claiborne was the starting defensive end, Adrian Claiborne, his sophomore year, got beat out. We had a defensive end hurt. We had a walk-on, Chad Geary. He started two games in front of Claiborne until Claiborne decided, until Claiborne showed us some stuff on special teams, he was going to be a dog and he wasn't going to stand on the sideline. And from then on, he was a man. He made that decision. We saw something against Michigan State. Special teams, here's a guy that made a play on special teams that wasn't starting the game, that got beat out by a non-scholarship guy that was going 100% and made a play on special teams in an overtime game that counted. I'm like, okay, this is a dude, this is a guy that's earned some things. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Rick Kaczynski's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Kaz, a thought here on Sparty. They are 3-0. and They went down to Miami, got some turnovers, but did the job. What's Nebraska's to-do list here Saturday? I think the opportunity's good. I think you're right on about Nebraska with their confidence going into Norman. I think they can have some confidence heading into East Lansing. I know Magic Johnson's screaming to, to, uh, to, to pack the house. Should be a great environment. Magic. Not a magic bird. I'm a bird, man. I grew up hating magic. So that was good. That was good. I loved to hate magic growing up. Hated the Lakers. But anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, once again, think of that. Think, think of the opportunity, right? Think of the opportunity both teams have right now. Um, and, uh, I mean, you look at, you look at Michigan state, you got a home game, you got Nebraska coming in in. um, you know, the last two times that we played there with with Bo, we went on a last second last second play, last second touchdown in 2012, and then 2014 had the ball in our hands to win the football game. We dropped a pass in the end zone, you know, and uh, uh, the great great football games. I think that was the coming out of uh, Demorne Pearson Elf. I'm not mistaken. Back right in 2014, yep. didn't get a whole couldn't get a whole lot of juice going and then you know he kind of lit it up the next thing you know our offense caught fire and you look up and we got the ball in a in a a chance to win and I think they ended up being a top five football team that year if I'm not mistaken but but um you know it's always a great environment it's a really tough it's a really tough place to play it really is. I, I think it's still grass. They're, you know, mm-hmm. they kind of do the with Notre Dame. You know, they they probably hadn't cut it since uh, since the last week in July. It's probably about uh, two feet high right now, and it's really thick. It always seems like there's a dew on it. Uh, you know, and and uh, the crowd is on top of you, man. I mean, they got a, they got a great student section. It's it's a loud place. There's something about the acoustics in that stadium. It's um, it, it's much louder and I don't, I don't, I, I have no doubt that, that it won't, that it'll be packed. I mean, I, I, it, that place will be packed. That place will be jacked and it is a heck of an, it'll be a heck of an environment for, uh, for Nebraska. And the great thing about Nebraska, they just played in a hostile environment mm-hmm. on the road. But I, but I think this environment will be more hostile uh, than, um, than, uh, than down in Norman. But uh, once again, it, it's it's really you got to stop the run. That that's obvious, right? Mm-hmm. I mean that that's obvious. And 
I think when you look at Sparty's offensive line across the board, you know, they got some fifth-year guys, some six-year guys. I mean, they got some big, big, long dudes. Um, They haven't given up many sacks this year. Uh, not a whole lot of not a whole lot of pressures, you know. The quarterback, he's he's not a superstar. He's a he's a but he's I don't think he gets the credit that he that he should for being the passer he is. I think he's a much better passer uh, than than people think he is. And but also you become a better passer when you have a back like like Walker. I mean that that dude can hit it. He's a one-cut guy, and that's what I love about him. He's he's really, really easy to block for. You know, he puts his foot in the ground and gets north and south. You're not going to see a whole lot of dancing until he gets to the second and third levels. And, I, I mean, the guy's got unbelievable peripheral vision. Um, he's a high-knee runner. You know, just just look at when people try to tackle this guy, You know, he accelerates on the contact. His knees stay high without slowing down and that is a mark of a great great back i mean i I love watching that kid obviously i'm a ross ells fan so i have some i have a special interest um you know watching michigan state so you know guys were guys who i coached with and friends with you know i I pay a little bit more attention to so that's why i kind of know a little bit more about them I've, i've i've watched several of their games this year um but you watch them against Northwestern, one sack, 326 or 325 yards on the ground. You know, was it flashy? You know, was it when it was a, a one, two score game, but you never really felt like Northwestern was in it. Same thing with Miami. It was a seven point game. It was a three point game or four point game, but you never really felt like Michigan State didn't have control. And I think you felt that way because of the because of the lines of scrimmage. They are physical on both lines of scrimmage. They are long in the offensive line, and they are stout and athletic um, on the defensive line. And what I like about Michigan State on the defensive side, you know, they can drop seven and get pressure with four. You know, they got guys that can beat you one on one. And I think that's that's although Nebraska has taken steps. You haven't had a, you hadn't seen a guy win a one-on-one battle, right? Um, you hadn't seen that yet, in my opinion, consistently. I think they had three hurries against Oklahoma, one tackle for loss within the defensive line, right? Mm-hmm. So you got you got to be able to do that because once you start getting the Big Ten, bar none, bar none is the best coach league, the the best coach league in the country. So what now you're going to start getting into, you know, there's a lot of film out there and Mel Tucker and his staff, they're going to start picking apart things that other people had success or some things that they may see that other people didn't take advantage of. So, so that's what makes the big 10 so intriguing. That's what makes it so tough to win in the big 10. But that's why it's also so important now where you're going to have to have some dudes win some one-on-one battles, right? And it's going to be a really difficult game if 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 Nebraska doesn't force Michigan State to pressure to get pressure to bring more than four. If Nebraska, if if Michigan State, excuse me, can sit back, drop seven, <clears throat> and rush four and get pressure on Adrian. It's going to be a long day. But once again, just like Michigan State, if you can't run the football, 
it, it's gonna it's gonna be a field day. It, it's gonna be an absolute field day. But once again, it's the Big Ten. I it's a road game. It's gonna come down to the trenches. It's gonna come down to running, running the football, and it's gonna come down to guy who, who you, know, you can't beat yourself. I mean, you can't beat yourself. You eliminate those penalties. All right. You take care of the special teams. And, like, you don't have to be great on special teams. You just can't put yourself behind the eight ball. If, you, know, you don't have to be great. Just don't kill yourself. And you're going to be in, you're going to be in this game. You know, you got to get to the fourth quarter. You know, if you're within one score in the fourth quarter, you got a chance to win with number two in the game. All right. And I think that kid, I think, I think it just goes to show you what he's been lacking on the perimeter for the last three years, he's been the starting quarterback, right? Mm -hmm. That just goes to show you right there how that kid has played the last three weeks. Now, granted, Fordham's like a a good high school team, but he still played well against them, right? I mean, you see Adrian out there. He's he's a commander. He's a leader. This is a guy that's sick of losing, man. I mean, and you see that out there. I love him getting after the kicker. I love him getting after the O-line. I mean, to me, you need more of that. That's going to take this team to the next level, in, in my opinion. you got too many nice guys right now. You, you know, you can't be a nice guy, especially up front. Uh, be a nice guy off the field. You just you can't be a nice guy if you play offensive or defensive line. You just can't. You, you can't. It's, it's, just in, it's just impossible. More with Kaz. Rick Kaczynski will wrap up a Tuesday at Hale Varsity. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HaleVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Last thought here with Coach Kaz on Hale Varsity. You don't want to be like you're ornery, you're mad, you don't like people, and that's that. And you know what? You're around a, a group of guys that they don't like people either, and that's what that's what makes it. That's what's going to make you a great team. And in the in the trenches, they set the tone. The quarterback just can't always set the tone. All right, and I think Adrian's doing a hell of a job. But I think, man, the way that dude he's played lights out. You talk about guts. You talk about you know, that, that ball he threw down on that nine route, I mean, he just – that was a great play, great catch by that kid. But, heck, man, I, I would have caught that five out of ten times if he put it there. I promise you. You know, he did some great things. He, and it just goes to show you the talent now, you know, getting those tight ends back, getting those receivers back. You know, I, I, I just don't want to hear close. I don't think the players want to hear close. You either do or you don't, and that's the great thing about football. Right, you are, or you aren't. Okay, so let's get to let's get let's let's get to where we are. Let's let's do it. You are what you are. All right, so let's go out and let's go get a W and stop talking about being close, talking about being young and all that other rhetoric. Just go win the football game. Guys, it'll be a party Saturday night. Can't wait for it. Thanks for your insight, man. This was awesome to chat with you, bud. You got it, my man. So Mel Tucker is weighed in on what type of party it'll be. Is it going to look like Christmas? He doesn't want that to be the case. As of a few hours ago, and Dustin Schulte, uh, or, or shoot, excuse me, don't know where the extra L came in, uh, Saturdays down south, 
So Mel Tucker does not want more than 2,500 Husker fans in Spartan Stadium. There's a direct flight, I think, either from Lincoln or Omaha, that was added back in August. So if if I go hit uh, roulette red number, we'll say five for Omar tonight at the casino, Maybe we'll hit a road show uh, Friday, Saturday again. Doubtful. Uh, next road show is going to be in Minneapolis. But, man, that'd be cool to be in Sparty. Uh, and Kaz is right. I mean, we're talking uh, it is going to be British Open rough to try and run through, potentially, for Nebraska. Maybe they'll cut it for Walker. I don't know. But it's going to be nice. Uh, a, a high stakes game, the first of many. This is going to be an exciting stretch for Nebraska if they can kind of play up the capabilities. You know what they got to do against Sparty. Can they go do it? You know, you are worried or concerned as a Nebraska fan coming off the Oklahoma loss if it was going to be a bloodbath, right? Well, Nebraska was right there. Do they kind of pay it forward? with a different finally get-over-the-hump result. And that doesn't – it just means it's okay, a chance to correct and finally get another win. It doesn't necessarily mean that things are going to be great or easier because Northwestern, as bad as they look, are always a pain. Michigan, Minnesota, break, Purdue, whiskey – after Ohio State and then Iowa. This is going to be a really crazy stretch, and it'll test the football team. And they have they have gotten better. Can they keep doing that? Can they get healthy? Can they get consistent on the offensive line? Good stuff. We'll be back at it tomorrow. Mike Babcock on the show. And uh, Dr. Rob Zadiska, part of the pipeline with us.